Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin and how did they end? Let's find out on episode 70, The Destruction of Sennacherib. Previously on The Fan of History, Hezekiah of Judah has pissed off Sennacherib, the almighty king of Assyria, and is about to pay the price. Well, Dan, it's been a while. But what's it has been a now? while, and uh, I have to apologize for that because I uh, ran into a, a personal crisis. I had an unexpected and unwanted divorce, uh, which sort of threw me off my game. And I had to focus on the big true crime podcasts to keep them alive, mm-hmm. uh, like Palmer Mordet and Serie Murder Podden. Uh, but now I feel a lot better. It's been four months. <laughs> And uh, so I figured we should uh, uh, do this thing again. Yeah, I agree. It sounds great. (laughs) So let's talk about uh, Sennacherib. But first, let's talk about Patreon. Uh, As you know, we tried to get to $30 on Patreon. And uh, we didn't do it, which is like, I love this podcast. This is my oldest podcast. And I now have podcasts, several of them, over $300 per episode on Patreon. But this one can't get above 30 When we didn't, people dropped off. So now I think we are at 11 But if you want to hear us, you want to hear Fan of History again, please uh, consider becoming a Patreon at Patreon, a patron at patreon.com slash Fan of History because uh, it's a per episode deal so you sponsor us with money if we actually do episodes so all this time we haven't done episodes there has been no money charged and that will encourage us to do more fun of history episodes right it's a it's a pay for play situation yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's talk about Sennacherib he is the king of Assyria 
He has ruled the Neo-Syrian Empire since 705 BC and it's now 701 BC, so four years. He crushed the Babylonian rebellion led by Merodach Baladan and Merodach Baladan escaped Sennacherib's wrath to remain the arch nemesis of the Assyrians. Um, this episode is named the destruction of Sennacherib. And this event is the most famous event we have talked about so far, I think, in the podcast because of Lord Byron, the poet, who published a poem in 1815 in a collection of poems named the Hebrew Melodies, where he talks about what happened to Sennacherib in 701 BC. And of course, Lord Byron is basing this on the Old Testament, which also has this as a major event. So now... I was thinking that Brennan should <laughs> do his best um, um, Lord Byron voice here and okay. give us uh, a, a picture of what happened 2,700 years ago. Okay, I'll try. I don't really have... Uh, we have the full poem here, people. I know. I don't know. I don't really have an English accent, but I'll try to be as eloquent as possible. Okay. And dramatic. And dramatic. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Lord Byron's Destruction of Sennacherib. The Assyrian came down like the wolf on the fold, and his cohorts were gleaming in purple and gold, and the sheen of their spears was like stars into the sea. When the blue wave rolls nightly on deep Galilee, the Assyrian came down like a wolf on the fold, and his cohorts were... Oh, it's, were a, it's a double there, sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> And also, I need to turn off Siri because she keeps thinking I'm talking to her. <laughs> <laughs> this is professional production, people. It is. Okay. All right. Like leaves of the forest when summer is green, that host with their banners at sunset were seen. Like the leaves of the forest when the autumn hath blown, that host on the morrow lay withered and strown. For the angel of death spread his wings on the blast and breathed in the face of the foe as he passed and the eyes of the spears waxed deadly and chill and their hearts but once heaved and forever grew still and there lay the steed with his nostrils all wide but through it there rolled not the breath of his pride and the foam of his gasping lay white on the turf and the cold as the spray of the rock beating surf and there lay the rider distorted and pale, with the dew on his brow and the rust on his mail. And the tents were all silent, the banners alone, the lances unlifted, the trumpet unblown. And the windows of Asher are loud in their wail, and the idols are broken in the temple of Baal. And the might of the Gentile unsmote by the sword hath melted like snow in the glance of the Lord. Well, I'm sure Sennacherib didn't expect that. So the angel of death appears and just breathes on the Assyrian army when they're sleeping and everybody dies. Uh, the Bible actually gives us a number here. We have 185,000 dead Assyrians. Uh, <laughs> this is probably not what happened. But to be fair to Lord Byron, he only had the Bible's account of the events. Right. But we now have more accounts of the events. So let's try to look at this uh, with some sort of 
historicity. <laughs> In 701 BC, Sennacherib does attack Judah. He wanted to keep building, he wanted to stay at home, but Hezekiah of Judah has betrayed him and he has to be punished. And Hezekiah, of course, he realizes that he put his bets on Merodach Baladan, and Merodach Baladan is now gone from the scene. So Hezekiah is, uh-oh, he's the main target of this Assyrian campaign. Uh, there are a lot of problems with this campaign. Uh, we do have, from a history, historian's viewpoint, that we, we do have problems for modern scholars. There are two main accounts. We have the Assyrian royal inscriptions, we have the Bible, and we even have an Egyptian account of what happened. Um, they don't go very well together. Uh, there is a siege of Lachish uh, that I might do a YouTube special on later, perhaps. But the siege of Lachish is one of the most well-known sieges that Assyria ever does. And it's, this happens during this campaign. And it doesn't go very well for Lachish. We see uh, we have the whole place. The town was never rebuilt, so we could. Uh, it's, a, it's a site for archaeology. And we found a lot of evidence of Assyrian siege tactics there. But the Assyrians win the siege of Lachish. Lachish is a major city of Judah. And then we have this siege of Jerusalem. Uh, so if you look at these sources, then we have to first find common ground. What do they agree on? And the first thing they agree on is that Sennacherib did indeed invade Palestine. So yeah, that's one thing. Hezekiah was the king of Judah. And there was an Egyptian army involved. It was defeated by Assyria at a place called El Teke. So an Egyptian army came to help Hezekiah, but was defeated. And then the Assyrians besieged Jerusalem. And then we have to look at what do the sources disagree on. Uh, the descriptions of the events are not identical. Uh, perhaps the authors have different outlooks and purposes. But we really can't resolve all the... Uh, difficulties this way. So we have to look at each of the accounts. So let's start with the Assyrian sources. The, we know the Assyrians are pretty good at writing things down, but they are always quite biased, as all ancient sources, and every piece of Assyrian writing is also Assyrian propaganda. But the Assyrians tell us that this was Sennacherib's third campaign. It was directed against Syria. So the campaign started north, uh, far north of Judah. Uh, and it hit Sidon and Axlon uh, because they resisted. They had probably forgotten to pay their tribute. Bad mistake. Uh, Arvad, Byblos, Smaimurum, Ashdod, Ammon, Moab, and Edom paid tribute without resistance. That means the, the Phoenicians and sort of the old um, vassal states of Israel. Uh, but Israel is gone, so they are paying their tributes. Uh, the citizens of Ekron, also called Amkaruna, became frightened uh, because they had handed over their king, Padi, as a prisoner to Hezekiah to ensure their loyalty to the Judean cause. But, uh, and this Padi guy, he was a loyal vassal of Assyria. So they threw him down and handed him over to Hezekiah. Uh, but now the Assyrian army is coming and Hezekiah is hiding in Jerusalem. So Ekron calls on Egypt and the Nubian overlords of Egypt for help. And he receives help, but Sennacherib beats the Egyptian army at El Teke, as we mentioned earlier. 
And then Elteke and the place called Timna are plundered. The nobles that uh, threw away uh, that threw this king Padi down, they are killed by the Assyrians. And somehow Padi is returned from Jerusalem to sit on the throne of Ekron once again. So I don't know if Hezekiah released him or what happened. Uh, but then the Assyrian sources says that Sennacherib did lay siege to Jerusalem. And during the siege, a lot of towns are sacked and put under the authority of loyal Philistians in Ashdod, Ekron, and Gaza, such as the King Padi that we just mentioned. He gets more property because he was loyal all the way. In the Assyrian sources, there is no mention of how this siege ends. But we do have a long list of booty, that the stuff that uh, Nineveh received from Jerusalem. Uh, and... Hmm. All of this probably happened in 700 BC or 701 BC. Uh, the fullest account, the Rassam Cylinder, is dated clearly to 700 BC. But we also have two other pieces of Assyrian evidence. Uh, the looting of Lachish, the siege of Lachish that I mentioned, it's depicted in reliefs that have survived. And there is, it mainly is about how Lachish was taken by siege and uh, yeah, the, the fear of the people, typical Assyrian stuff. We also have a fragmentary text which may have been written by Sennacherib that talks about the conquest of two Palestinian towns, one of them be, being Aseka, but the name of the other town is gone from the scroll or from the, the paper, from the, probably from the stone. <laughs> Uh, Lachish or Aseka isn't mentioned in the analytic narrative of the third campaign. And we clear, we, we knew that this was the third campaign and Lachish was a major victory. So it's a little weird that Lachish isn't mentioned in the narrative of the third campaign, which gives rise to another theory that uh, we will look at a bit later. Uh, the next source we had for all of this is the Bible. And we already heard the Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Destruction of Sennacherib poem. Uh, but the, ver the full version of the Bible is the following. 
So Sennacherib comes in, he takes all the fortified cities of Judah, and while he is at Lachish, he receives a vast amount of tribute. This is in 2 Kings 18.13 to 19.37. So lots of tribute, which could explain the long list of booty that the Assyrians had. In Chronicles, we, we have in the Bible, it's always weird because they are talking about the same events in Kings and in Chronicles. In Chronicles, there is a detailed narration of the measures taken by Hezekiah to fortify Jerusalem against the siege in 2 Chronicles 32, 1-21. Uh, they also identify the leader of the Egyptian army as Taharka from Nubia. And Taharka is a known Egyptian overlord. Uh, from Egyptian accounts as well. And we will talk more about the rest of the biblical narrative. Uh, I used Cambridge Ancient History for the source for this, and they did propose a solution to why there is, uh, yeah, why, why the sources are, why they differ. Uh, and they think that there might have been two campaigns, that there's a second campaign against Judah late in the reign of Sennacherib, that is somewhere in the years 688 to 681 BC, because no Assyrian analytic narratives are preserved for this period. For these eight years, 688 to 681 BC, we don't have any accounts at all. So the proposed solution that Cambridge Ancient History makes says that in 701 BC, Sennacherib does invade Judah, he wins the battle of el against Egypt. He wasn't defeated at all. And this is pretty much proven in the next thing he does in 700 BC. Because in 700 BC, he has a full-strength Assyrian army. So he can't have lost 185,000 <laughs> Assyrian soldiers, because that's a lot. That would be hard to replenish in a year. <laughs> yeah, but his army is fully, fully operational the next year. Uh, Cambridge Ancient History further proposes that the siege of Jerusalem ended by Hezekiah paying a huge tribute to Sennacherib this time. And then he fortifies Jerusalem to resist the siege. And until 689 BC, for 12 years, Sennacherib is busy elsewhere, and we know he is. He has a lot to do. But after 689, in this eight-year period that we don't have any sources for, a second campaign is launched against Jerusalem. In this campaign, uh, Asseka is conquered. The siege of Lachish happens in this second campaign. Tahark of Egypt shows up because 701 BC is a bit early for Taharka to show up. But Taharka showing up in 688 BC makes a lot more sense. And then some sort of catastrophe befalls the Assyrian camp and the Assyrians actually lose in the 680s. So that's the Cambridge Ancient History version uh, we should now probably talk about Taharka. I don't know if we have mentioned him. It's been so long since last episode. But he is the son of Pia, the son of Pai, the brother of Shebitku. Uh, the Nubians rule Egypt, and the Nubian succession is complicated because you are kind of supposed to be succeeded by a brother, except when you aren't. <laughs> and it's very hard to understand. Uh, if Taharka shows up in 701 BC. Shebitku is the pharaoh. So Taharka is there as a royal general, but not as the pharaoh. And he's probably only 20 years old, which maybe explains why he loses so easily. But he does become the pharaoh uh, of the 25th dynasty, the Nubian dynasty, in 690 BC. So if he is, if 
He leads the Egyptian army in the 680s. He's the pharaoh, he's older, he's wiser. Um, and of course, this early defeat at El Teke wasn't too serious and the Egyptian army wasn't annihilated. It could very well come back 12 years later. Uh, okay, are you confused yet? Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on here, man. Okay, here's my version of what happened in 701 BC. Okay. <laughs> okay, we put everything here in 701 BC because it would be hard to cover it again in the 680s. So, okay, everything is happening in 701 BC. Sennacherib is besieging Lachish. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rab Sake, the Grand Vizier, important Assyrian guy, he travels to Jerusalem. Uh, Sennacherib learns that uh, Taharqa of Egypt has recovered from his defeat and is returning. Lachish falls. So the siege of Lachish finishes. Lachish is gone forever. Mm-hmm. The Rab Sake, this very important Assyrian guy, he appears before Jerusalem. And he shows up in the Old Testament in Isaiah 36.2. He addresses the people of Jerusalem from the west slope of the Kidron Valley. And he calls for Hezekiah. Because uh, he wants to talk to Hezekiah, but Hezekiah doesn't show up. Three high Judean officials show up instead. They are Eliakim, Shebna and Joah. And the Rab Sake surprises the Hebrew officials by or the Judean officials by speaking to them in Hebrew. And this is, of course, a major problem for the Judean officials because now all the people in Jerusalem can understand the Assyrian diplomat. Uh, Eliakim asks the Rab Sake to use Aramean because Aramean is the official language of diplomacy. But the Rab Sake refuses because he feels that the people of Jerusalem needs to hear what he has to say. Uh, strangely enough, uh, Sennacherib does talk about the diplomatic mission to Jerusalem before the attack, but he sends the Tutanu, that is the field marshal, mm-hmm. and some Rabsaris, that's another senior official position, and not the Rabsake, but yeah, details, I guess. <laughs> uh, so uh, the whole diplomat thing doesn't work, of course, Hezekiah doesn't want to give up. So the siege begins. And the full might of the Royal Assyrian Army is outside of Jerusalem. And this is it. This is the end for Judah if they win. They've already 24 years ago destroyed Israel. And now it's time for Judah to go. And then something happens. Something stops the Assyrian army from winning this siege. So the Assyrians do not win this siege. Jerusalem is not sacked and Judah survives. We know this because... Hezekiah remains in charge. Mm-hmm. We have three versions of what happened, what this disaster was. So first, you can ask uh, Sennacherib, and he says, what are you talking about? There was no disaster. I got tribute. We went home. I am awesome. And by the way, I deported 200,150 people as well. <laughs> so that's, that's the Assyrian version. Seems typical. <laughs> yeah, but he did not win. He went home. Because he was paid off. Ah, I see. Yep. Uh, he says. And then the Bible says that the angel of death showed up and slaughtered 185,000 Assyrian soldiers, uh, which we are pretty, pretty clear that it didn't happen. But then we have an Egyptian version recorded by Taharqa. So Taharqa <laughs> says that he prayed to the gods of Egypt. Hey, Jerusalem is in trouble. Help them, <laughs> won't you? And the gods of Egypt helped Jerusalem by sending an army of field mice. Oh my gosh. 
And all these mice, they eat the Assyrian bowstrings. Mm. And Sennacherib in the morning realizes that, hey, we don't have any bows. And Assyrian warfare without bows is pretty hard. So then Sennacherib goes home. And uh, I have a quote here. You, maybe you can read it from Taharka. From Taharka. The gods sent a multitude of field mice, which devoured all the quivers and bowstrings of the enemy and ate the thongs by which they managed their shields. Okay, didn't get shields either, so bows and shields are gone. Yeah, that's, that, you can't have an army without bows and shields. It's impossible. Sorry, I misspoke, actually. This was not Taharka's version. This was the official Egyptian version. Oh, that's but the, Taharka okay. has his own version. Oh, wow. Okay, so that was the uh, official Or we Egyptian. have records from Taharka where he says, uh, he went with Shibitko, to Lower Egypt, that is to the Mediterranean, and this is sort of the general area of uh, Judah, it's close to Lower Egypt. Gotcha. And he says, uh, he doesn't mention any campaign at all. <laughs> and maybe he does this because he got his ass kicked, so <laughs> he didn't want to talk about that. <laughs> just, just forget all that happened. But the fact remains that Hezekiah stays in power, he's still in Jerusalem, and Sennacherib goes away. And that's the destruction of Sennacherib. Wow. So Sennacherib survived the destruction as, as well. <laughs> we have some other stuff that happens at the very end of the 8th century BC. Uh, all this, uh, all the problems in 705 BC, the death of Sargon uh, has led to the loss, uh, that the Assyrians lost the northwest provinces. Uh, sort of the southern Turkey and northern Syria, that area. Uh, because they rebelled, and as we talked about earlier, they probably killed Sargon. Mm -hmm. So Tabal, Q, Kilaku, and Melid are free of Assyrian vassalage, and they are now free states. Some other states in the area does remain loyal, do remain loyal to Assyria. It is possible that Q actually returned voluntarily to Assyrian vassalage perhaps on the advice of King Midas, because King Midas is fighting the Cimmerians in the mountains, and he is now a friend of the Assyrians, as we talked about earlier. Also, Agishti II of Urartu, he's also busy fighting the Cimmerians in the mountains, but Urartu will be back. It's not over for Urartu yet. Uh, and Merodach Baladan is still out there plotting against Sennacherib and the Assyrians as usual. We also have the 20th Olympiad in 700 BC, and a guy named Atheridas of Laconia, that is a Spartan, wins the stadium race. And we don't have any other information of the other events. This is the final podcast with this format. But we will continue final history. But we'll talk more about that in the next episode. Because in the next episode, we'll do something very special. We'll talk about the history of Brennan. Oh, wow. It's all about so that's me. That's not uh, ancient Assyrian. <laughs> nope. Um, there will be... Very little to do with ancient Assyria in my history. <laughs> yeah, so, very little. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll describe what you know where I came from, and we'll go back several thousand years over the course of time to see my um, if you want to call it a genetic drift. Yeah. So, well, um, that's it for this. But please go to YouTube. Lots of good stuff out there. Subscribe, like, and share. And if you want to, give us a review on iTunes. 
We have Facebook.com slash Fan of History. Also Patreon, like Dan mentioned. Patreon.com slash Fan of History. If you want to follow Dan on Twitter, he's at Dan Horning. If you want to follow me, I'm at Cerulean Says Hi. So, for this week, I am Brennan. And I'm Dom. And this has been Fan of History. Woo! If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Fan of History. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. WarbyParker.com slash covered.